0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is a Curio from Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. And as you just heard, this is a Brains On curio. What is a curio? Well, since you asked, it's when we make a short little morsel of a podcast to keep hungry, curious minds fed between regular episodes. And you are in luck. This is the very first curio. After you listen to this one, you can say you've heard them all. I'm going to hand over this curio to producer Mark Sanchez and a bit of a mystery sound.
1: Thanks, Molly. This story is based on these two beeps you're hearing. From these two nearly identical tones, we are given communication, space exploration, and music. These beeps, or tones, have a unique name. They're called quindar tones. What do you think that is? An alarm clock, or a, a ringtone.
0: Uh, maybe a microwave beeping. I think of cartoons. The tone from the hospital when someone's in a coma or something. Oh, a heartbeat monitor, maybe. Um, it kind of sounds like some machine working on something, like in those old movies where the computers are like as big as a room and working on a calculation.
2: I mean, it sort of sounds dangerous, like something that would be like at like number a hundred and. 27 on the periodic table. It sounds like um, where they would communicate back in the day, I Morse code.
0: The first beep was like higher than the second one. Maybe like, you know, when people test their microphone, like testing, like ding. Something that has to do with the radio. It does sound kind of like maybe like a space thing. I have no idea. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard that in that one, what's it called, that movie Hidden Figures.
1: Special thanks to the 8th graders from Mr. Hale's science class at Capitol Hill Middle School in St. Paul. Those were some brilliant guesses at what a quindar tone is. I talked to musicians Michael Jorgensen and James Merle Thomas about the quindar tones. Michael plays keyboards in the band Wilco, and James is an art historian and teacher. But when these two get together, they make music under the name quindar. And you'll see in a second why the name makes sense, because the two incorporate archival NASA recordings into their music. Here's Michael to start off the explanation of what a quindar tone is.
2: Well, a quindar tone is the beeps you would hear in the recordings of communications during early manned space flights um, from Gemini through Skylab and the NASA program. And they serve as a checksum or a way to alert both mission control and astronauts that there is communication open between the uh, astronauts way out in space and the people on earth and it's sort of like uh one box on earth goes hey are you there and then the box on the spacecraft receives that. It's like yes i'm here wait are you still there And then this just kind of
3: goes back and forth. The technology that they use for it is, it's something called push to talk or PTT. And it's basically like a CB radio. It's like whenever you push down the button to talk, there's a beep at the beginning. And then when you're finished speaking, you let go of the button and there's a beep that rings at the end.
1: It's the same idea as a walkie talkie. You push the button when you want to talk and you let it go when you're done. In the early days of space exploration, Engineers at NASA realized they needed a way to alert astronauts when someone was about to say something. Quindar Tones did the trick. But there was another problem. Astronauts are constantly orbiting the Earth. So they're not always just over NASA mission control in Houston. And this is where it pays to be nice to people. Because NASA set up a group of transmitting stations all over the world. That way they could always be in contact with the astronauts. One of those transmitters was set up in Australia. It was named Honeysuckle.
0: Honeysuckle, this is Houston. Contact, I know it's early for you, H-45, but this is the only chance you'll we'll have to check your net one because Hawaii is tied to it and needs back up to the land. Can you support a quick remote check this time? Certainly can, all configured. Roger, I'll come at you right now. I'll count to five and back down again. Roger. This is Houston. Contact with a test. One, two...
1: What you're hearing is a test of Mission Control sending Quindar tones to the Honeysuckle transmitter.
0: One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. End of
1: test. And it may seem like a small thing, but ensuring these lines of communication were in proper working order made for much smoother and safer space travel. Now you might hear these and think, well, that's pretty neat." But would it inspire you to write a song? Well, it would if you were the band Quindar. Here's Michael Jorgensen again.
2: This sounds like somebody, like a drummer, counting off a song as if you were, you know, about to play a song if you were in a band. You know, he was like, one, two, doo.
1: to the beginning of the Quindar song, Honeysuckle, This Is Houston. And you heard that archival tape right there at the beginning, the same one we heard earlier. Here's Quindar's James Merle Thomas.
3: One of the things that was really interesting for us throughout was, you know, taking an audio sample that everyone knows very well. If you think about, you know, a really famous audio clip of someone like Neil Armstrong, Walking on the Moon.: I'm step off the land now.: It's one small step for man One giant leap for man.: You know, that's a 10-second audio clip, but it's actually part of a three-hour communication between the astronauts and Mission Control. And quite honestly, a lot of really boring stuff happens in those three hours. People talk about what they ate for lunch, how they're putting on their seatbelts, everything else. And one of the things we were really interested in was thinking about that kind of routine, everyday experience. You know, what it's like to go to work in space.
1: In the song Arabella and Anita, James and Michael take this idea to the extreme. This song uses a snippet from a NASA press conference, but... It's not of anybody talking.
3: The original field recording for that is actually just the sound of a microphone. It's a kind of a mic check at the beginning of a press conference. And the most interesting sound to us from that entire press conference was the sound of someone just kind of dragging the microphone across the desk.
1: Arabella and Anita gets its name from two spiders that were launched into space in 1973. Judith Miles, an 11th grader from Lexington, Massachusetts, proposed an experiment to NASA. She wanted to know what the effects of weightlessness would be on spiders. Would they even be able to spin a web in space?
2: (laughs) Imagine being a spider on a spaceship. (laughs) And all of a sudden, everything you've ever known, all your, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of years of instinct are just now, you know, (laughs) <laughs> rendered meaningless, because now you have to, like, spin a web in zero gravity.
1: Astronauts trained for years to deal with the effects of microgravity, but these spiders never trained a second. And guess what? It only took Arabella and Anita two days to figure it out. They each spun webs in space. And if you're ever at the National Air and Space Museum in Chantilly, Virginia, you can even see Anita's preserved body. You might not think that space exploration and art go hand in hand, but NASA has a long history of working with artists. In fact, during the Apollo missions where the Quindar tones were first used, NASA asked different artists to take part. Norman Rockwell created paintings, Robert Rauschenberg made collages out of discarded blueprints and scraps of paper, which, if you think about it, is similar to Quindar finding art in the everyday, and later, Ray Bradbury wrote an ode to NASA. Annie Leibovitz photographed astronauts, and Patti LaBelle wrote a Grammy-nominated song. I think NASA learns from art as much as the artists learn from the space agency. Skylab, the first U.S. space station that housed astronauts for weeks at a time, this space home was meticulously designed by Raymond Lowy, the same guy who designed the Coke bottle. And you can bet whenever NASA has a new mission, there will be an artist's rendering of what it might look like to say, fly over Jupiter or land on an asteroid. Quindar's album is called Hip Mobility. You can find it on streaming services and order a copy through the band's website, quindar.net. And make sure you look for the band if they're playing in your town. Their live show has these cool space videos to go along with their archival recordings. Let's
0: hear the, Here's the That's it for this inaugural edition of the Brains On Curio. Your ideas and questions are the inspiration for each episode of Brains On. You can email those to hello at brainson.org anytime. We'll be back in your podcast feed next week. Thanks for listening the honeysuckle.